Welcome to Counseling Over Coffee, a podcast of Redeemer Counseling Group. Whether you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, we are happy to have you. And if you enjoy this podcast, it helps if you rate and review us, particularly on Apple Podcasts. And of course, any sharing of the podcast on social media is greatly appreciated. For more information about Redeemer Counseling Group, you can visit our website at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com or look us up on Facebook. And with that, here is Cherie with Counseling Over Coffee. I'm interrupting my podcast schedule today to respond to some listener requests for Benny and me to share some really personal thoughts on the historic weekend that we just experienced. We're airing this episode just days after the announcement of the Supreme Court decision to reverse Roe versus Wade. Now, we all knew this decision was coming due to the leak several weeks ago, but I don't think Benny and I anticipated the way hearing it and seeing it would really impact us. Before we get into our dialogue, though, we know that this decision hasn't been met with joy by many in our country and, in fact, in our personal lives. After decades of pastoral ministry, we get that. This decision has both immediate and potentially long-range implications for Christians and non-Christians and people on every position on the political spectrum. And there are lots of questions surfacing that are based on both personal and political positions. And, and we understand that. And in fact, our next podcast will be devoted to getting perspective on those questions from our son, Jake, who is a trusted Orlando attorney who has spent years gaining a cultural and legal understanding that will be able to help us. And we're going to be asking him some really specific questions about personal rights as it relates even to non-abortion issues. But for, de- for today, honestly, we rejoice. Mm. And we want to share with you why. This will be a very personal episode in some ways. And we're going to share a few things that I don't know if we've ever shared publicly. And we're grateful to have the opportunity to do so and are glad that you're here with us. So there are a handful of days in my life that are sealed in my memory. And I, I think in many of yours, if you're at least if you're as old as we are, I remember where I was, where I was sitting on the day I learned that JFK had been shot dead. I remember the morning I watched the Challenger explosion on TV. And of course, that horrible 9-11 morning when I heard about the plane flying into the Twin Towers and then into the Pentagon where my brother worked at the time. Few will forget where we were who we were with, and maybe even what we were wearing on that awful, awful morning. And another one of those rare memories happened last Friday morning 
when a few minutes after 10 a.m., my son Joey started a text exchange in our family chat by announcing that the Supreme Court had overturned Roe versus Wade. I was sitting on the couch in our family room and I began to cry. I began to cry hard. Benny hurried downstairs and we spent a few quiet moments marveling at what we had just learned. And I think I'll remember that moment for a really long time, hopefully for the rest of my life. And today we would like to share a little of why this moment was so emotionally impacting for us and why the subsequent subsequent conversation that we had that morning, Benny, will will stick with me and has brought back a lot of memories and reminders of what it was like for us because we were around. Mm -hmm. We were in high school when Roe v. Wade, that decision came down. And now here we are, you know, 49 years later, and it was reversed. This will, this will be a deeply personal podcast. And so I really want to get this started, Benny, by talking about the personal aspect of things. And I'm wondering, where, where would you like to start with that? Well, I think it's, it's really amazing that we're sitting here talking about this. Really? Yeah. That something that we had prayed for and hoped would happen in our lifetime actually did. That we we given ourselves in many ways to uh, this issue uh, over the years, and now it's just yeah. it's amazing to think that this day has finally come. Yeah, here we are doing a podcast about this, and so I thought it I thought it might be interesting to to give everyone some history of our involvement in the pro-life movement, and you would be the best one to do that, so. Well, sure. Um, I mean, first, I was a senior in high school when Roe v. Wade happened, and, and I was pretty much oblivious, even though I lived, we lived in the D.C. Right. area. Me too. And it was happening, you know, 20 miles from us, but yet we were, we were unaware. Sadly, my only experience with abortion was actually when I was 16, 1971, and I fathered a child who then was aborted, and um, I, you know, I was such a uh, uh, unbeliever, you know, just just lost, and you know, I I I really had uh, disengaged with that whole uh, incident. I have memories of it, but not a lot of clear memories, and we didn't really get involved in the pro-life movement until we started having children and, you know, began to get involved. And, and, and it was really that that kind of opened the door back up for me to be able to process that. And I really do believe it was the processing of that that kind of was the impetus for, for me getting involved in pro-life ministry. Yeah, I really appreciate um how you didn't let the shame and the regret of your participation in a pre-Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. abortion keep you 
from throwing yourself because you threw yourself yeah, yeah. into trying to make a difference for others. So, so where do you think that shift began? Well, for me, it began when we got involved in the March for Life. Now, that was started in 1974, just one year after Roe v. Wade. But we didn't get involved until probably 78 or 79 when Josh had been born and we had started the church there in Fairfax. And that's really when we began and where we began. Yeah, I, I, you know, as we were talking about it over the weekend, I'm pretty sure our first March for Life was with our our oldest, mm-hmm. uh, our little baby in the stroller in the freezing cold, I'm yes. sure. Yep. Uh, going down to the to the March for Life, and then as the kids got older, and I remember, you know, bundling them up, and mm-hmm. you know, our little daughters saying, you know, we need to take sandwiches to pass right. out to the homeless, yeah. and um, just carrying signs and the church gathering. Remember mm-hmm. those oh, yeah. wonderful times that the church grew, and then there would be you know hundreds of us in some cases down there right. on the mall in DC at the march for life those are some really great great memories that we had and so what else impacted you personally on well, this issue yeah i mean so after our involvement with march for life or the yeah our involvement with march for life led then to in the early 80s us getting involved with a uh organization that was picketing an abortion clinic in a neighboring town. Some friends of ours asked us to come and get involved in that. And and really that was the beginning of the pro-life ministry that we developed in the church. And so there was the picketing and we helped start Sanctity of Life, which was a uh, pro-life clinic. And uh, the gal that led that was a part of our church. And and it, it, we just began to increase our involvement as awareness of the pro-life issue was growing in the mind, hearts and minds of, of Christians and, and folks in the church. Yeah, and I remember you coming home from um, interactions with the priests and the nuns of that adjacent Catholic church there in Falls Church, Virginia, where we started this picketing. Yeah. I mean, you were very impacted by oh, that. Oh, yeah. I, I quickly realized, both from the March for Life and from the situation there at that clinic, that um, the, the Catholic Church had really paved the way, showed us what pro-life ministry should look like. And so I, I was very impacted by that, and, and my respect for them really, really increased. And as we developed, you know, the different pro-life ministries in our church. I mean, we we were having, we had two uh, post-abortion counseling groups, support groups. And uh, some of the ladies in our church who had walked through that themselves were leading these things. And there was just a lot of activity that was going on as far as pro-life is concerned. And and, and I really had the privilege of being involved in, in a lot of significant things. It was a part of a council. It was called the Fairfax Hospital Pastors Council. Oh, what was that? I don't remember well, what, that. Well, remember, we, we also were picketing at the hospital right? because they were doing abortions, but, but they were claiming that they were medically necessary abortions, and we knew that that wasn't true. 
Probably in some cases it might have oh, been, some but cases certainly not it all. It was true, but, but they just had not been challenged about their policies. And so we, would, we met with leaders of, of the hospital, and uh, we made progress, and we were able to help them move back to their policies and with it being a medically necessary procedure. So just things like that, just the, you know, being involved in those things. I, I was thinking about this earlier that just I, we, we were so involved in, in that, you know, in the early 80s, early mid-80s, that it's hard for me to remember all right. the things that we were, were doing. Weren't you involved in some type of a, a pastor's coalition of yes. some kind as well? Yep. And then, yeah. The and Christian Action Council was a part of uh, some of the things that they were doing. Uh, the, this pastor's group that was together, I, I actually spoke at the Virginia Right to Life Convention one year. I mean, there was, there was just a lot happening. And certainly, I don't remember all that stuff because I was home having having <laughs> yes. a lot of babies in That's a few right. short years, and and so, I you know when I when I think about what I became aware of, other than picketing, I mean, mm-hmm. we would we would get the kids, and there was kids in strollers, and I was pregnant with somebody, and right. we're peacefully picketing there and interacting with the moms and 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 dads and family members going into the clinic. I mean. I, I remember those times, um, and I'm so, so grateful yes. that we got to include our children yes, yes, in that. Yes, that was important. But then, it wasn't, it, wasn't it 1986 when Operation Rescue yeah, started? I, and yes. so And you got very involved in that, so, so tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Operation Rescue started in 1986. Um, we, we began to witness watch some of what was happening and and felt this draw to to take that step and it was a controversial step to take not not everybody agreed that uh, civil disobedience you know was a was a legitimate thing for a church or pastor to do and civil disobedience, for those who aren't familiar with that season and with Operational Rescue, Operation Rescue, what, was, what do you mean by civil disobedience? Well, civil disobedience in the sense that we would go and sit in front of the doors of the abortion clinics and not allow them to, go, to enter in until the police would come and arrest us and pull us away. And, and that was a... I felt an important statement for us to make as a church that that this it's this important. Right. We're not trying to 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 force anything on anybody, but we believe that protecting life this this is a part of the gospel mission that God has given us that all life is precious, you know, and yes. and that we we can we can do this, you know. And let's not forget those days Benny when here we are in the, thir- you know, I'm a formerly infertile woman. Mm. We had tried for several years to have children. Finally, God intervened. My sister prayed for right. me. Um, we started having children and they started coming. I mean, Quickly. I hope this isn't too much information for our <laughs> listeners, but when we were trying to prevent them in right. some cases. And, and yet you came home one day and shared your desire to stop just 
encouraging women not to abort their babies, but you wanted to put our proverbial money where our mouth was. And you said you wanted to be willing to adopt yeah. an, a baby from an unplanned pregnancy. Yeah, one, one of the, going back to the my appreciation for the Catholics, when we got involved with Operation Rescue and I got involved in the leadership in our area and we were planning these things, there was a large contingent of nuns and priests and uh, Catholic parishioners who were involved in that. And those discussions with those folks and their heart for uh, life and to be pro-life and the things that they were doing in terms of adoption and running uh, homes for uh, unwed mothers, those kinds of things, it stirred up this, this thing in me. It's like, yeah, we have to be willing to put our money where our mouth was. The, the Operation Rescue was, was for a while, and, and it got to a point where it wasn't very effective, and there was a fringe element that got involved in bombing of clinics and those kinds of things, and, and it was time for us to separate. But I so appreciate their influence because that was where some of this desire uh, began to build. And then it turned into a, you know, because of our involvement with uh, racial res- reconciliation issues as well in the D.C. area, that, that this whole thing of, of biracial or transracial uh, adoptions came, came into my heart. And very purposefully as far as, uh, you know, the pro-life issue and and the rescue aspect of that. And I'm, you know, it, I, I don't think it's been till this weekend when we've been talking about this that I realized the impact that those priests and nuns had on your life. And maybe I knew it back then, but yeah. but thank God yes. for their yeah. faithfulness yeah. over years and years and years, yeah. way before we got involved or in, way before a lot of evangelical believers got involved right. in the whole right. uh, pro-life movement. So, so God really used this cool combination of b- you being involved and us being involved yes, in pro-life ministry us, right. and in racial reconciliation ministry right. to stir your heart to serve someone in an unplanned pregnancy in some really concrete ways. And I'm so grateful that God moved on my heart. Mm. Here we had a bunch of children. Right. And God moved on my heart to join you. Mm. And we don't, we don't need to go into all the personal details, but God really did an amazing miracle when you had talked about being involved in, right. a, in a transracial adoption of a of a young woman who needed help. Mm-hmm. And amazingly and providentially, and the details are glorious, but, you know, not to be shared here. God brought a dear yes. young woman into our lives who felt her only option right. was to abort her baby. Right. This was not a selfish, um, arrogant, woman's just saying i want to have an abortion right this was a desperate needy scared young woman Mm -hmm. who felt like it was her only option and that experience taught me 
so much about the stories behind right. abortion. Right. It's easy to judge. It's easy to criticize. It's easy to get in your face with accusations right. Right. and assumptions. But a lot of these women are desperate and alone and feel like they have no other option. Right. And so God surprised us yes, he did. with this beautiful baby girl. Mm. Yes. that we got to bring into our home. Right. And she became the diva of the family. <laughs> and her six brothers and sisters embraced her, welcomed her, adored right. her to this day. She's still the diva in the yeah. family in oh, some yeah. ways, isn't she? Yep. she is. But our dear daughter was, and for me, as far as my involvement in the pro-life movement, our daughter became that that ultimate gift that God right. was preparing us, Benny, for right. all those years to receive. Yeah. Our daughter, and she changed us, and she's changed our lives, and she's still changing our lives. Yeah. It was amazing, you know, just the, the circumstances behind how all that happened. And, and, and really, th- that issue of both pro-life and then racial reconciliation, you know, as it came together with this situation where she was seven days or whatever it was from being aborted, and, and God brought us together with that young mother, and, 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 you know, she had a hard time at first believing we would be willing to take the baby, but boy, the fact that we were able to do that and to, to, to help in that situation. I mean, Julia wouldn't be here, right. you know, if, if she hadn't reached out to right. us. And, and in the midst of all of her challenges and difficulties and fears and anxieties about what am I going to do, what am I going to do, she reached out to people she didn't even know. Amazing. It was amazing. It really was. And, and really that, that puts into perspective that this Supreme Court decision is a, a clarion call to the church, right? Benny? Yeah, I mean, I think so. We, we weren't heroes. No. We weren't some kind of special people that, you know, people said to this, oh, how, said to us, oh, how loving the sacrifice to, to provide a home for this child. No, that's not what it was. Mm-mm. We just saw that we couldn't just go right. to the clinics and, and pick it. We, you couldn't just serve on councils where men and women got together in, in boardrooms and talked. Right. We needed to reach out and we needed to be available. Now, not everybody can get right. medical care for a young a, a woman carrying an unplanned baby. Not everybody can get her the care she needs or provide food or clothes to for her and end up aborting i'm sorry adopting her baby but we can all do something right right and i think that's where the church is going to have to take the next step right in the aftermath of this and but in that light what would you say to women who have either had abortions or who might be feeling tugs of emotion even at hearing this podcast people who are listening right now yeah yeah i w- we know 
that all of these abortion situations have backstories. And, and those backstories are important. And they don't necessarily excuse pursuing abortion, but they are real life, very difficult, very dramatic, very uh, uh, situations where there's suffering yes. going on. And, and if you are in a place where you know, you, you're thinking about an abortion that you, know, you had and, and you, you're listening to this and maybe even feeling some kind of, uh, of pull toward what, either uh, uh, you know, guilt or shame or whatever, that, that, that's not what this is about, that there is hope you can receive the grace of God to, to lean in and, and process and deal with what happened to you and the, you know, the things that resulted from that. But you can also find grace and mercy and help. And, and I want to encourage you that if, that if you are in that situation, reach out. Reach out yes. for help. Get someone uh, that you trust engaged in this process and and receive the grace and the mercy that is available to you. And the other thing I'd, I'd like for us to close with today is the importance of incarnating that love and that mercy, the mercy of Christ and how we as Christians move forward in a post-row culture. It's great. For us to rejoice at what happened. And that's what we've been doing this weekend. Right. But we can't stop there, right? Right. I mean, abortions will continue. States will make their own laws about them. And, and my prayer is that this historic decision will cause us, the church, to wake up to the importance of, of not just celebrating, but taking action. Yes. A friend of ours here locally, John Stenberger, recently put together a short booklet called Thinking Clearly After Roe. And it's, it's a five-part strategy for moving forward as the church. And all of the points are excellent. But I was really moved by where he started because he started by saying we have to care for women and children. And here's yes. a quote that, uh, from that. He says, the most significant impact and change will be the immediate increase in the number of abortion-minded mothers. And again, I, I would want to suggest that fathers should be included in this, but often are not. But that these abortion-minded mothers with unexpected pregnancies who will not have easy access to abortion. Now, that's true. That is going to happen. And this means that we all need to consider how we can come alongside these women in meaningful, practical, helpful ways. Right, because not everyone has the ability to get as involved in an unplanned pregnancy, like, like I said earlier, like we did, from helping in various ways all the way to an adoption. But I think those of us who are rejoicing at this decision need to ask ourselves, what can and should we do? Yes, because really, in, from my perspective, doing nothing isn't an option. Uh, even calling a crisis pregnancy center in your city to see 
about supplies that they're low on or, or talking with your pastor about starting a ministry to mothers facing unplanned pregnancies. Uh, those things can be a good first step. I mean, getting involved in these things is, is very important. And as we consider these very tangible, concrete steps, we can also just linger in the joy right. yes. of what has happened in our country. Right. 49 years oh, later man. it's Thank you, Lord. it really is an amazing thing to have been alive to witness and i remember us talking of it and just saying you know what it probably won't happen in our lifetime yeah. remember oh well, yeah we would yeah. say that we really didn't believe because change is slow it really is and, and our son jake is going to be talking a little bit about that when he joins us that 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 just how long these types of changes take. And I hope that folks will join us next time when we talk with Jake. Yeah. Because he has really affected me mm-hmm. in this whole area of mercy. Right. Toward those with whom we differ. Right. But he also, you know, has a pretty keen legal mind. Right. And so. I'm looking forward to him coming and answering some of those questions that people are having about now what? Are there going to be rights that are going to be removed from us because of this? Right, and right. a lot of the questions that are floating out there on social media. So, so please join us next time for a continued conversation on the aftermath and where to go from here. Right with this decision to reverse Roe versus Wade.